Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, I remember a rooftop. I thought that had a nice roll to it, so I went with it. Nice alliteration. Good vibe. It's in the moment, you know? I mean, you know, love to be in the moment, and I love it even more when uh, someone writes a song about when they felt, uh, a time they felt like they were in the moment, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's good subject matter. Absolutely. A time to live. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, we're talking about a track from Damnesia, an original track from Damnesia. Well, to be fair, they were all original tracks for the most part, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. uh, a unique release, or a unique song uh, to that album, of which there are only three um we've covered the other two one was a cover one was a song about malt liquor hell yeah and one is this song from our buddy dan andriano well your buddy i mean he's you've talked to him several times now over on road to the skeleton coast wherever you listen to podcasts mostly on patreon because it's usually a patreon exclusive right well we did it the one time on Patreon, and then we did it twice on the normal feed. I oh, can true. see someone's been listening every week. Well, I mean, I knew there was the original, and then there was the first one where you just uh, told them dates of things that occurred, and they <laughs> misremembered it entirely. Yep, uh, yep. That was fun. You know, I'm sure it was very fun for you to keep it on the rails. Um, but uh, yeah, here's a song about Dan remembering some other stuff. And it's uh, it's very funny because I think for years and years and years, I, I held this song in a little more high esteem because it was on Damnesia. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, will happen. Real diamond in the rough situation. Yeah, I mean... All right, let's uh, let's break it down. As you know, I'm someone who bought all their shit all the time mm-hmm. every time anyone <laughs> came out. I recently sold Damnesia because I was like, I never listen to this. Um, especially in the world we currently occupy. If I ever want to hear those songs, I can pull them up streaming. Great. And, you know, part of the reason I bought it is because I was like, all right, there's, you know, three new tracks. One's a cover, but it should be cool. And, I mean, I think I only listened to the album in full once. Mm-hmm. for reasons that should be fairly obvious to the people who've listened to this podcast. <laughs> but I remember this song coming up and being like, you know what? Like, it's cool. Like, they haven't done, like, a genuine acoustic track in a minute. Like, just kind of a solo, like, all right, like, just one guy, guitar, doing the thing in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan really hadn't done one since, I don't know, probably god damn it i mean in my stomach is kind of that but there's more stuff going on there so that doesn't really qualify to me mm-hmm. um and I, I liked it i felt like the tone of it was really nice and i feel like the lyrics really they really locked you into a place and it always um 
it always reminded me about of some of the Chris songs on Greatest Story Ever Told by the Lawrence Arms. Oh um, yeah. You know, that I haven't seen you since that Brooklyn night. Mm-hmm. Something about that always seemed like uh, they were kind of sort of companions in in, in that journey. Um, totally. Good call. But coming back to it, after not listening to it for a while, I still think it's good, but I was kind of... It, it's funny. I, I, I felt like it was a little more muted than I remembered it being. I, I remember the dynamics being a little bigger, the uh-huh. chorus hidden a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say I, I didn't like it upon revisit, but it just felt felt a little more flat to me. But I'd be curious to hear, A, if you'd heard it, and B, how you feel about it. How much did you sell your copy of Damnesia for? $85. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, it's fine. I prefer the $85. Eugene Merman bought uh, Radio Free Europe 7-inch from me recently, and Mm. I had to send him a message back that said, sorry, dude, I gave this to Pat Nordyke. I forgot to take the listing down. He didn't respond. So if anyone's got an ear or has uh, Eugene Merman's ear at the moment, uh, let them know that i'm sorry i feel bad i hope you found a copy of that rem seven inch five dollars for damnesia jesus christ i the the market out there is wild right now my friend um and yeah i'm glad it's it's hopefully in the home of someone who is listening to it and enjoying it more than i did um and i do remember seeing the band on the damnesia tour where thankfully they were mostly playing the songs as they were originally written um they weren't sitting on stools well no but uh they did you know they did strap an acoustic guitar on the mat and have him uh you know they they ran through old english 800 and did the cover but they also let dan do this one and i think that's the thing is i think what appealed to me about it was I think Matt was was turning up the wacky dial a little much, mm-hmm. uh, even though I, I, I think those things are fun, and I, I'm not, like, a hater mm-hmm. on uh, either of those tracks. But it was nice to be like, ah, like, Dan's still kind of there just being himself. Like, it didn't... This song, to me, both then and now, to its credit, it didn't feel like it was reaching. It didn't feel like it was, like, woefully nostalgic. It also did not feel like... There was at least some compunction as to why you would write this you know mm-hmm. and though i would say now with a song like smokestacks that also came out uh somewhat recently all right may- maybe we don't need this many songs about you reflecting about being drunk and pissing on walls and whatever the fuck mm-hmm. um but like at the time i was just like you know like it's nice to see that they he still has this in him and they're still willing to just kind of go there and lose some of the the pretense that I was really feeling on the prior releases, um, where it just felt like with agony and irony with this addiction. And honestly, you know, I'll even say crimson to a degree. They weren't really going for anything other than just wanting to write songs mm-hmm. on this. And though it's only those kind of couple examples, they don't really feel like they're trying to uphold any mythology or anything. It's just kind of like, this is just what the song is. 
and I'm in the Alkaline Trio, so that's where the song goes, and ta-da! Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's weird that it's on a record like this, where it's like, I would have just preferred a two-song 7-inch that was Old English 800, and then this other B-side, and we call it a day, but, you know, beggars, choosers, that uh-huh. whole thing. Uh-huh. It's interesting to me that the uh, original, the unique tracks that are on this thank you very much fact checker um mm-hmm. are are just um guitar and voice as opposed to like a full arrangement i find that to be kind of funny just in the you only have to learn two songs and a cover as a band but mm-hmm. let's just have the writer play and sing both of their songs about themselves. Yeah, and again, like it's not something that I'm you know, I think it I think the thing I like about it revisiting that is it it just has the energy that I think the early stuff did even if this is not what they sounded like where it's just like it it, it portrays the same feeling that I get out of like this sorry about that enjoy your day thing where it's just like hey, let's just each write an acoustic song and see what the fuck happens, you mm-hmm. know, whether or not that's what the impetus for those songs was that's kind of what it is and i think you catch matt at this moment where of like being a little more carefree and and not really trying to a portray darkness or like b like try to write like a big rock record or try to be the version of matt skiba that was kind of more in the public eye mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I'm just a goofy guy singing about getting drunk on malt liquor. Right. And writing a song that sounds like it should have like a slide whistle in it. Uh-huh. And Dan is doing the same thing where it's like, that, that I've always liked that they're almost two sides of the same coin where it's like, Matt's just singing about like being young, getting drunk, and then loving malt liquor. And Dan's kind of like, I remember rooftop. Like, you know, they're, it's almost like they're writing about the same party from two different perspectives. Yeah. And yeah it just kind of shows that like that was that was always a large part of the appeal to me is that they could kind of do either mood and mode mm-hmm. and uh you know i could enjoy them both for what they were and this is one where i don't think it's dan's strongest acoustic song and especially you know around this time we're gonna get the first emergency room lp oh, which yeah. i think has yeah. s- some really really good songs on it um so i kind of wonder if this was an inciting incident to like him being like you know what i'm just gonna do like a a more like chilled out laid back acoustic record or if that was already kind of being worked on and done and he ported this over Mm -hmm. um because i could also have seen this sitting on the first emergency room record and i don't think anyone would have batted an eye totally and i bring up the not having a full band arrangement just i think more as a as a factual or pointing out a fact because mm-hmm. i don't think that a full band arrangement of this song would have been particularly strong i no. think that this song does work best in its form as it is um that being said it's really it it's really easy to kind of get lost in this one. And I had to print these lyrics out and sort of mark 
mm-hmm. okay, here are the parts. And I ended up also looking at the chords for it too. And there's five chords for this song. Um, and most of it is starting in most every like part is starting in E. Mm-hmm. The whole song's in E. And like it goes into B for like that pre chorus thing, but everything else is just starting off of that E chord and doing that for a song that has a lot of parts. It's kind of tough to keep up with it. That being said, I do like the story that's told here. I think that it's got a really good perspective, both Dan looking back and also the moment itself is pretty captivating. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I think what you're saying is, like, I wonder how much, I wonder how much some of that is intentional, right? And, you know, I'd like to think it is, um, because I like that feeling, like you said, it's, it, it is definitely one that you kind of get lost in, because the, the shifts are very subtle, um, and... I do think listening to it again a little more closely, like this is a song that lives or dies by the performance of it and how much you're selling it. And I think does a, Dan does a good job of selling it here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I quite genuinely think he's he's not oh, he's not being like overly performative. I think he's vocally hitting a very solid, just like kind of recounting. It's not too nostalgic or like sacker and he's just kind of he's just kind of running it down and you know part of me wonders how much that feeling of kind of being stuck in it is to replicate the you know what he's kind of singing about you're in the moment and there's like these like little things that are changing and then before you realize that it's kind of over um Mm -hmm. but to counteract that exact point is the fact that i feel like it gets a little long for its own good i feel like i mean i don't even know what you really cut because it is kind of a narrative thing loosely narrative right like there's there's some trimming that could have happened that i think would have made it a little more effective if this was maybe closer to two and a half minutes 245 get it under three minutes i think it might be a stronger song mm-hmm. yeah and i think that i mean really it's you know it's a verse a pre-chorus a verse a pre-chorus and a two-part chorus mm-hmm. and then a verse and a pre-chorus and then that two-part chorus and then the outro so it makes i think it makes sense on paper for it to be the length that it is um it's just it's just tough i think to really go four minutes on just an acoustic guitar and voice so Mm -hmm. i think that we can i'd say we can both agree that that's an imperfection of the song it's doing the best that it can within the way it's laid out yeah i mean a a person and guitar acoustic guitar performance that is more than 
three minutes is, is a tough sell unless you're really, you know, really accomplished. And, like, you know, singer-songwriter stuff really does live or die by, like, A, how much you like that person and what they do and how much you feel like you're being put into that world. And, again, I think this was such a nice deviation and break from a record that feels you know, it's, it's, it's a revisionist take on older material. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so, it, it's kind of upending expectations a lot where it's trying to do these different things or sometimes just being like, well, I guess that's what clavicles like with an acoustic guitar and like uh-huh. a kind of roll on the snare. Yeah. Huh. I could have probably just imagined that and been fine. Um, you know, where, I think it it definitely brings the record down a little bit in a way that feels kind of necessary and and, and just really centers it. But yeah, I think it doesn't feel as strong in isolation. And and the one time I saw him play this, it it had a similar function of like doing some of these bigger, goofier uh, acoustic guitar songs with Matt singing. And then Dan kind of locks you into space and you can go somewhere else with it mm-hmm. and you know we've talked so much over the course of this podcast about how i feel like his writing is often um a counterpoint to matt's and, and bringing a tone and a texture and a flavor that isn't present without him and i think this is ultimately a good example of that even if it's not my favorite version of it mm-hmm. where it's like serves a purpose has a lot of little parts i like has nothing in it i dislike aside from that it it just feels like it overstays its welcome a hair and with songs like that you know complaining about it is 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 almost getting really too granular though that's what we do here on as you were uh but it, it they become hard ones for me to like think about and conceptualize of like where does this fit within the larger body of work because it's good it's not great but it also has its its issues, and you know what? What do you do with a song like that? Where does that live? In, in both in, on in a record and in terms of an overall, yeah, uh, oeuvre. Well, I think it's fun to look at at it just on its own and the, and the story that's told because looking at the lyrics, you get the sense that this is someone that Dan just kind of blew it with, mm-hmm. and he had his moment that he was really building towards in his head and it just fell apart a little bit too quickly and i think that she comes to check on me she doesn't want to stay in the room but she comes to check on me um i think that we can all relate to that feeling of just like Ah, uh, I just, if it only had gone this way, if I only had held back from saying, I love you too fast, something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting feeling that everybody can relate to. And I like the way that Dan sets it up here. I think that for one, the the title itself is so strong and so yes. evocative, and you see it. And I've been waiting for this song for a long time, just because the title is so good that there's got to be there's got to be plenty to uh, chew on in here, and there really is. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I have always loved that the title being the first line on the song, really, you know, like it just snaps you into place so quickly, which I think is a really hard thing to do. I think it's such a like difficult thing to be able to be like, all right, like we are taking, you know, I'm not going to be too clever here. I'm from the title, from the first line, I'm telling you exactly where we are, mm-hmm. what's going on. And like, I mean, it's a bold gesture. And I think the thing with it is like, that doesn't always work, but I always find it very compelling. And I very find it very compelling, especially out of someone like Dan, who I think, you know, on the preceding couple releases was kind of struggling to figure out like what he wanted to sing about and what he wanted to do. And I think he, at this point in his songwriting career, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, but I feel like a song like this and some of that, the stuff on the first emergency room record really shows him being able to like, just kind of like paint with, you know, paint in more muted tones a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not going big. This isn't, you know, maybe I'll catch fire. or She took him to the lake or enjoy your day or like crawl. This is just a more like kind of honest human turn from him. And that's something that I find very compelling. Cause I think when you like a songwriter, you know, it's not always the, the big, huge ones that stick with you. Sometimes it is those really more intimate, subtle moments. And I think it's, it's just cool to see him, work in that space even if it's not the best version of it you know totally and i i do appreciate like the the first two lines are so strong too and just using the title i remember rooftop making out is Mm -hmm. wonderful phrasing and i think that he does do a really good job of moving and making like the the words within the parts feel different enough even if the chords are still like staying in the same key yep um and i like a lot of the the imagery of you know he's lost even though he knows all the streets he's in the waiting room like just doing that sartre thing of just like well get to fucking think about this one for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. even in even in happiness even in years spent so far removed and like knowing better here's something that i can think about while uh i've got nothing but time until death (laughs) truly but yeah i mean i i think it's i don't know it's cool to hear someone in a punk song talk about fucking. It doesn't happen very often. True. So not not very horny music generally. Well, or sometimes it is, but not in a good way. Yeah, I I love that line about like I had to say I love you soon, but right there on the couch you love me too. That's tight. I mean, I yeah, I think it's it, again, it's very much just saying it, but I think it's done in such like a a really good way like it's tasteful which often it cannot be mm-hmm. you know and um i think that's one uh, yeah i i think this just hits a lot of things where it's like so many other people would try and sell that moment yeah make it f- uh they're trying to make it seem a little bigger if you 
picking up what I'm putting down. Um, <laughs> but he just he just plays it so on its face and like is just doing it in a way where it's like, you know, I it's one of those things where it's like lyrically I think this is such a great it's such a standout thing from their modern ish era uh, where I'm like, even if it's not the, the best song, I think there are so many just like really great, compelling moments throughout it that like, you know, it's one where I, I don't reach for it all the time, but when I think of it, I think that's why I always hold it in such high esteem is because it's, it's just doing a lot of very cool simple things very very well Mm -hmm. and you know it's again it's not going to be the one that hits people in the back room but it's just like if you're up there and and really locked into it like it feels just feels so unique and like such a great journey through the a certain part of his life and i think it makes sense for him to be putting a song like this on a record that is all about revisiting certain parts of your life and like re-editing them yeah you know it's yeah. it's one that like just sits so interestingly there where it almost feels like a rumination on having to look back on these things that you've committed to tape and done and, and, and have become part of who you are and then trying to like change the things you maybe don't like about them. And the song is is like you said, it's it's kind of getting stuck on that fact that things didn't go the way you'd wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And remembering the good and remembering the regret and like in a more compelling and honest way than I think you get out of songs of that nature. Yeah. And I think that the, um, you know, what follows that first chorus is, I, I think you get a little bit of insight in what's left from the song into the fact that like, Din didn't, he didn't really have his shit together and no, he's got, he's got eyes on that from within and also looking back. And I, I like the idea that this is really just a part of the thing that we all go through in in growing up, you fuck, you fuck up. It's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. And everybody goes through that. And it's about, learning from it and moving on as much as you can great way to say it it also made me think of another uh good sort of sort of punk song that sings about fucking uh which is the tim berry song avoiding catatonic surrender that second verse is like so so good uh and like i've just been thinking about that for the past couple minutes of like man like it's the opposite approach, but I think they elicit the same feeling of just like you get so locked into the moment. And I think both really approach it without judgment and regret. And like, I think that is like, to me, that's the way if you're, if you're going to verge into that territory in a punk song and especially an acoustic punk song, yeah, uh, that's about as like genuinely like compelling and not like, braggadocious as it can be you know what i mean like it's just very like that song is about looking for that phone it's not about getting laid exactly and i think that's 
once you said that and it got me thinking about that, I think that's the same thing here. It's just about like that feeling in the moment, that feeling of connection and the fact it withered away and then you just sit on it and ponder and it's it's the routes not taken. And again, like I said, on a record where they're trying to take the other routes and stuff they already made, like this just feels like a really smart and like astute perspective on the entire endeavor mm-hmm. uh, as well as just being like a really cool an interesting piece that like it, it's one of their songs that I feel like I can't I can't think of a direct comparison to within the rest of their catalog it's just like this is just kind of there and while it's not perfect I'm so stoked that it's there yeah like you know and I I kind of I love those songs because it's it's one that maybe in five years I'll like it a lot more the more I dig into it because there is something worth digging into mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's fun to find that kind of shit, which is why we do this here podcast. Do you want to rate it or do you want to hear a funny Tim Barry story? Funny Tim Barry story, then we rate it. That song in particular, I'm so glad that you pointed it out. It's one that comes into my head once a month and has since the first time I heard it, which was the first time that I ever saw Tim Barry solo. He was on tour with the Bouncing Souls and a little band called the Gaslight Anthem was opening. Ah, yes. And we missed the Gaslight Anthem, uh, which was a bummer because they just opened for the loved ones. And Mm. my friend Adam's like, we got to get up to the city early. We got to see that Gaslight Anthem band. They were something else. We missed Mm -hmm. them. But that Tim set... That song, holy shit, knocked me over. Uh, that was at Reggie's, and we were at the bar next door after the show. My friend Adam is uh, friends with, I think he actually became friends with Brian that night. Um, mm. But he'd spent some time talking to Brian about motorcycles, and his our buddy Mark was there, and Mark... Uh, said to Adam that he was leaving or something like that. And Adam was like, oh, Mark, show Brian your Bouncing Souls tattoo. And my friend Mark, without hesitation, drops his pants to reveal cute little butt with a hopeless romantic tattooed on the right cheek. Tim Barry, who had not been present until the moment that I saw him look down and say what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) tim is legitimately one of the best dudes um i love his music love his band but love his existence as a person because i feel like that is exactly uh, that interaction is so perfectly him Mm -hmm. um yeah man what a song i remember rooftop what do you rate it Three and a half. I'm going to give it a three and a half, too. I think that we definitely came in with a lot of, like, unpacking on the structure. Maybe Mm. one might think that was being negative. I think that was just kind of us going through the processing. But I love the story that's told here. This is a really, really lovely song and something that I always tend to think about when it comes to dan's songs of this nature is the story that you told 
with she took him to the lake and they play it live dan saying i'm pretty sure that boy's doing fine tonight mm-hmm. i think that line informs so much of the way that i process all of this dan material and i think that he really really manages to always frame it in yeah i fucked up or yeah that hurt but i'm all right exactly there's no sad sackness coming through and i think that's such an important thing and like yeah kind of i mean this is you know i could see people thinking we're a little negative but this is the exact experience we're coming into this i was like i'll probably give it a three it's like just above but the more we talked about it the more we unpacked it it's that feeling that i love when we talk about a song and my esteem of it rises having the conversation so much so that literally after finishing it, I'm like, I want to listen to that song. And that's what happened here. And that's a cool feeling. And I hope other people feel the same way. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we remembered a rooftop. Thank you so much for joining us. We invite you to come back next week and to tell a friend about the show it's the best way that we can think of for more people to hear it we have been so appreciative of the audience that we've had throughout this venture it's very special to us and we're very thankful for it as i sit and hold my sweet little hadley here in the crook of my arms for david i know it's very cute the start happening midway through it's fantastic um she's great and david you are also great and i can't wait till i can cuddle you in this exact same way i can't wait either sometime soon we have a patreon patreon.com slash as you were you can head over there to uh, throw us a few bucks a month to help us to do the thing that we do we let our patrons vote on the songs that we talk about which is what we're going to be doing next week and oh now she's ready to get down um what else oh yeah we talk about other stuff and we got uh we got some swag over there that's available either way we will be back next week we look forward to that and we will see you then thank you friends me too Right there on your couch you loved me too Nineteen and sober once or twice I caught some junkies bad advice up to my eyes in others' problems Couldn't see I'd never solve them I'm only skinny bone and piss and pills unknown I took my lousy shot at public recognition Could never pull the trigger if I wasn't shaking I lost my life on the first try You found it miles down the line A swollen face with three first names 
Catch you loved me.